Uh, I'm excited to share this morning. Uh, I know I gave a little bit of a prelude uh, last Sunday to what I was going to be sharing today. Uh, and I've just been asking the Lord, you know, where, where, the, where we need to go as a, as, a, as a church and like just some of the things that he's continued to put on my heart. Um, and I'm going to talk, talk today about being baptized in the Spirit. <clears throat> and I think this is a topic that uh, can vary in, uh, depending upon which church you go to, you could hear one message versus another. Um, and I believe that the, the Holy Spirit is for today, that His ministry is for today, the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Uh, it's not something that the Lord just gave to the early church as a, hey, this is a really great, great tool, great great thing that you have, and I'm going to take it away as time goes on. He wouldn't do that. Um, so today I want to talk about what that means um, and, and really how we activate that in our own lives. Uh, many of us in this room um, have the have, have received the Holy Spirit, been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I just want to get reground us because I think it's important for us uh, to continue to hear things and renew our spirit and, and re- be refreshed um, on, on different, different aspects. Before I do that, I want to recap a little bit from last week. Um, so last week was Pentecost Sunday, which was fantastic. Um, we talked about what it meant for the apostles, the disciples, to be in the upper room. There was 120 of them. They were all together. It says in, in Acts chapter 2, they were together in one accord. They were together in one accord, which, which means there was no division among them. They were all pursuing the same path. They were all expecting the same thing. They were all pushing towards the same thing. They weren't running in opposite directions. You know, sometimes in the body of Christ, it feels like we can sometimes be running in opposite directions, right? You look at different denominations, different aspects. Everyone seems to be kind of doing their own thing, right? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I believe that the church is, is being spirit-led, but I think when there's real unity, not just in our church, but in the global body of Christ, when we're all moving in one accord, that's when we'll start to see miracles. That's when we'll start to see things happen. Uh, and it also says, uh, to recap last week, that not only were they in one accord, but the Holy Spirit came and filled everyone. He didn't come and just fill a select few. He didn't just come and fill the people that he had been called to be pastors or teachers. He came and filled everyone. So we know that the body was together in one accord, that the Holy Spirit came and filled everyone. In fact, it says there were pillars of fire over every individual person. We also found that earlier in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells the disciples as he's ascending, Go and wait in Jerusalem, for I am sending a, um, I'm sending a, a, a gift for you from the Father. Uh, and we know that, that in that time there was ten days between the time that Jesus told his disciples to go and wait and when the Holy Spirit came. Steve and I actually were talking about this after the service. Good things are worth waiting for. Not everyone waited for the Holy Spirit. We know there was 120 of them, but we know that there was much more than that at the ascension of Christ. So good things are worth waiting for. We also know that God never gives us a bad gift, right? So if the Holy, Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father, we know that it's worth waiting for. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to us. He said in numerous times, if you look in the book of John, if you look in the, the beginning of the book of Acts, 
He says, I must leave so that way you can have the Holy Spirit with you. I think Jesus knew in the flesh he was great. But we only have, just like Jesus, we have a lifespan, right? Jesus lives eternal. But on this earth, he had a lifespan, just like we do. So he knew that the Holy Spirit had to come to fill us for eternity, right? So he knew that he had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come. And he talks about it in, in Acts chapter 1, and we'll get there. But he talks about it uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Feel free to turn there. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. He talks about what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. And he uses very specific verbiage. So again, Acts chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to be reading out of the, the New Living Translation. Uh, and, and again, this is right as, right as Jesus is going to ascend. He says, <clears throat> John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now we know during this time baptism was very apparent. John the Baptist was there and he was baptizing those in preparation for Christ to come. And then Jesus comes and is actually baptized by John. And if you want to read that, that, uh, that story uh, or that, that happening, um, look in the, in the book of John, you can find out. You know, John actually even says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. You're the Son of God, and here I am baptizing you. So we know that baptism is something that isn't a new term for those living in that age. So again, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what is baptism? And I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about the origins of baptism, but I think it's important for us to understand. So oftentimes, uh, it's interesting, in our, in our work Bible study, we're actually studying um, what it means to be a disciple. And this last week, we talked about baptism. And baptism, in, in terms of uh, context in water, is, is typically viewed in two ways in a, in a church nowadays. So baptism, in a lot of denominations, happens when a child is an infant. You know, they're sprinkled with water, Right. Uh, their parents bring forth uh, and, and, and they're sprinkled with water. In a lot of denominations and in our church, you know, we believe that baptism is an external response to your commitment to Christ when you are of age to make that decision on your own. I have small children. Uh, Lila is two. I can't imagine that if we would have had her baptized when she was a toddler, an infant, she would remember any, any aspect of it, right? So at our church, we believe that Baptism is an external, external uh, um, example of your faith in Christ. Uh, and it's not a requirement. I think there are a lot of churches that believe in order to go to heaven, you must be baptized. It's not, a, it's not a requirement. Your salvation, it says you are saved by grace through faith. It doesn't say you're saved by grace through faith while you're being baptized. Now, baptism is something that coincides with, oftentimes you'll see in the scripture, they believed and they were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. So I would encourage you, if you've never been baptized, we'll have a great opportunity on July 16th at our church picnic to be baptized. But if, if you have, you know that it's, it's, a, it's a process of you going under the water and coming back, right? The old man goes under the water, the new man comes up. Right? So it's this, it's this process of 
going under the water and coming up anew. So when we talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Does the Holy Spirit have a, a baptismal tank that he dunks in? No, it's not that. But what it means is when you go in, when you're baptized in water, you are completely submerged. There is no part of your body that is up out of the water. You are submerged. You are 100% in the water. So when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are 100% submerged in the Holy Spirit. So you go into the Holy Spirit and you come out and you have every aspect of who the Holy Spirit is. Not just some things, you have every aspect of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's some people that believe, and, and, and Paul talks about this when he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, that you, only, you can only walk and, and talk and, and do a few of the things. Again, if we serve a good God who loves us, that wants to give us the gifts that He's provided for us, why would he say, oh, Adam, I'm going to give you the gift to prophesy and the gift to interpret tongues. But I'm not going to give you the gift to speak in tongues. I'm only going to give that to Steve. He gets, Steve gets that. But I, I'm, I, you're going to be his interpreter. He's going to, no, he wouldn't do that. As a parent, trust me, Christmas can be expensive. You want to get all the things for your kids. You want to give them all the gifts. You want to do all that because you love them. Right? God is the same way with us. So when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we go into the Holy Spirit, we come out and we have all that He is. We have all that He is. So I want to get into a little bit about what that is and show you some examples in the Scripture, and it'll be primarily in the book of Acts, but show you some examples of what this actually looked like. So, when Jesus is talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm sure the disciples looked at him with that like, huh? As they probably did throughout his ministry. Like, I don't understand, right? And then 10 days go by. Day of Pentecost comes. All of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if you continue reading in Acts 2, uh, you find that, and I'm not, you can turn there if you'd like to, but I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. Um, later on, and I'll read verses 4 through 6. Peter starts to declare and preach to the masses. But why was he able to do that? Let's start there. So Acts chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. So this is, again, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind, fills the, fills the upper room, and it says, starting in verse 4, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or other tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they, they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Again, and everyone present, not certain, everyone, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It's important. Everyone. So we know that, that Jesus told his disciples he was going to send the promise once he left. We know all of God's promises are good. 
those in the upper room were baptized in the Spirit. What did this allow them to do? George and I were having a good conversation about this after church last Sunday as well. So if you think about it, in, in verses 4 through 6, it says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation. Remember last week we were talking that Pentecost fell on the Feast of Weeks, which was one of the most well-traveled um, Jewish feasts or traditions that they would go and come to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was packed with people from across the land. It wasn't just from a certain area. So they're there, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes, and He falls on those in the upper room, all 120 of them, and they start to speak in tongues. Now, some, some interpret this passage of Scripture that they started to speak in Greek, and all, all of these different dialects, different languages uh, around the world. That's how some people have interpreted this passage of Scripture. So if you look at this, I want to point out, uh, and this is what we were talking about last week, I want to point out one word that I think is very important. They, be, they were bewildered to hear their own languages. Hear their own languages. So it doesn't say that they... Oh, I want to make sure I say this correctly. It doesn't say that they were exactly saying this person was speaking Greek, this per person was speaking, you know, whichever dialect. It says they heard their own languages. You know, oftentimes people get confused in today's culture. And, and if, you were, if you were a new Christian or you didn't know Christ at all and you walked into a room and people were praying in tongues, you might be like, what is going on in here? Right? I'm sure for many of you that have experienced that, you probably would say the same thing. Like, what are all these people saying? I don't understand. And I'll get into that. So I, what I, the way that I interpret this, and I, if, if you disagree, I would love to chat with you about it, but the way that I interpret this is the Holy Spirit can do more than we can ask or think, right? So how is it that He has to fall into this exact box that if you're speaking in tongues, you have to be speaking an earthly language. Yep. Paul says later in 1 Corinthians that it's better for you to prophesy than it is to speak in tongues in a group because people can understand the prophecy, they can't understand the tongues. So we know that if we were speaking in an earthly language, somebody, somewhere, would be able to understand what we were saying, right? So the way that I interpret this is, is the Holy Spirit was moving and flowing in that environment. They're praying in tongues. They're using their heavenly language. And the Holy Spirit is using that to captivate the hearts of those that are listening and translating that so that way they could hear in their own language, their own dialect. Amen. Nowadays, there's stories and stories and stories of people being on the mission field, praying in the Spirit, not praying the language of the local, and the locals being able to understand and, and totally embrace what was being shared and what was being said and administering to their hearts, that can only be done one way, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And I, I want to preface this, we are a tongue-speaking church. That is who we are. But there are a lot of, sadly, tongues is somewhat of a controversial topic amongst Christian churches. It shouldn't be. It's in the Bible. 
It's a, it, it is a thing that happened in the Word. So how can we say that, oh, sorry, that was just for the early church? It's not. It should be something. When we, when we ask the Lord, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, He gives us everything that is the Holy Spirit. He gives us all the ability to prophesy. He gives us all the ability to speak in tongues. He gives us all the ability to lay hands on the sick and have them recover. Use this as an example. My mom got up here. I, she was praying over George. I wasn't. Everybody, we as a body come together. We all have access to all that's in the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference. Being baptized in the Spirit is an active choice. It's an active choice. When we are born again, when we ask Christ to come, in, we know the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. He comes and dwells in us. Just like when we're born again, we know that Jesus wipes all of our sin away. But when we are baptized, just baptized in water, that is an external, it's a choice. It is a choice we make to be baptized, an external um, awareness of our, of our salvation. Just like being baptized in the Spirit is, an, is another step that we take to know that we can move and flow in all the gifts that the Lord has us, has given us. So I think it's important for us to, to really truly interpret Acts 2, verses 4 through 6. I think you can probably find multiple examples, not just in Scripture, but in life, where you have somebody that was praying in the Spirit, and it was no, not beknownst to them what they were praying, but it was ministering to somebody else's there. Oh my goodness, that person's speaking right to my heart. I remember an example. Our pastors in Menominee, this is before they had ever planted a church in Menominee. One morning, uh, Pastor Dana was praying in the Spirit, and she kept just hearing the word Menominee, Menominee. Didn't even know where that was, but it just kept coming up in her spirit, coming up in her spirit. So then they started looking at it like, whoa, started praying into it. And that's where they planted their church. That was where the Lord needed them to be. Again, that was an earthly word, but it wasn't something she knew, right? So it's so important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit doesn't come just for select people. He doesn't come to give us select gifts. He comes so that way we can have all that He is. Now, that doesn't mean that at, at some times you're going to be praying in the Spirit, and then the next time you're going to be prophesying, and the next time, whatever it may be, you're going to be moving and flowing in the Spirit, just like we talked about a few weeks ago. So, kind of moving off of that, if we look at, 1 Corinthians, as Paul is talking about this and teaching on speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians verses four, uh, verse, or verse, chapter 14, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. I'll give Cliff a minute. Sorry I didn't get, to, get, didn't get you these before service. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. It says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be all mysterious. So for those that say, no, 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 no. In, in Acts chapter 2, they were just talking in earthly languages. This is a pretty good summarization of, summary of, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. Now Paul is talking about this in reference and I mentioned this earlier about whether you should prophesy or, or speak in tongues. 
And I think it's important uh, when we're thinking about being baptized in the Spirit and, and having all of the gifts. Oftentimes, you know, when you're praying in tongues, when you're speaking in your heavenly language, you have no idea what you're praying. And I remember when I was a kid and I was first baptized in the Spirit when I was praying in tongues, I was like, what am I saying? What is going on? And Shree and I have had this conversation. Am I just making all of this up? You have that thought. I'm sure many of us have had that thought in our life. where you're like, And it's the enemy's way of trying to convince you, like, this is weird. It's not weird, though. It's not. It's a normal thing. And I think if we all understood the power that comes from praying in the Spirit and speaking in tongues in our lives, you want to, there's some incredible teaching. Joseph Prince has some incredible series on this. Go and take a listen. But if you ever want to understand the power that comes in our own, in, not just in like our spirit, in our physical bodies from praying in the Spirit, it edifies us. It builds us up. And that comes by being baptized in the Spirit. It's a gift. It is a gift. And a gift that is given freely, but in order for us to receive that gift, we have to ask for it. Later in verse 14, again, kind of tying it back to this heavenly language, Paul reaffirms this. He says in verse 14, For I pray in tongues, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying but I don't understand what I'm saying. So to tie all of this back to the first Sunday that I started talking about the Holy Spirit, we know that the Holy Spirit is our helper, our advocate, our standby, right? So when we pray in the Spirit, we are going to Him saying, I don't know how to pray about this situation. I need your help. I need you to pray through this. I need you to go to the Father for this. I know that you have direct, a direct connection with Him. And I don't know how to pray about this without... I don't even know how to pray about it. So I'm just going to pray in the Spirit and I'm going to trust that you are interceding to the Father on my behalf. So when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in tongues, our spirit is praying and we don't understand what we're saying. So it might sound weird. And you might feel like, man, I'm repeating myself over and over and over again. And you know what? That's okay. Because in the Spirit, you know that you are directly interceding with the Father. And you can use it in any situation. It doesn't have to be a time when you don't know what to pray about. I would challenge you. Pray in the Spirit to start your day. One thing my dad always told me, there was a period of my life where I really struggled to sleep. Shree can attest to this stress and like just frustration from my job had just like caused, I couldn't sleep. I'd wake up at 2 a.m. and couldn't go back to bed. It's terrible. We had young kids. I needed sleep. And one thing my dad told me, he's like, what I, what I do when, I, when that happens, I just pray in the spirit. And you know what? I fall back asleep. Because it renews my mind. It clears my mind. It gets all of the anxious, anxiety worried filled thoughts out of my mind and allows me to think on the good things think on the good things so we know that it's likely that those gathered in Jerusalem heard the disciples and apostles in their own language but I 
truly believe that the disciples were speaking in a heavenly language. They were speaking in something that is not of this earth. It is only given by the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you two examples in the book of Acts where this actually happened. Where the Holy Spirit came and filled and baptized those that were leaving. So turn to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 44 and, and, and through 46. I want to give a little context too before we get to this. So Acts chapter 10, the early church has started. Peter is, is leading the early church. And he all of a sudden he has this vision. Many of you know this vision of a, a large sheet with animals that historically in the Jewish tradition, Jewish religion, they could not eat because they were considered unclean. And he sees this vision over and over, and the Lord says, take and eat these things. And he, he rebuffs. He says, Lord, I can't eat those things. And he says, don't call what I have called clean, unclean. So he's talking about the Jews versus the Gentiles. The Jews versus the Gentiles. Because in that time, those that were not of the Jewish faith were, were considered to be less than. They weren't pious enough. They weren't clean. At the same time, there is uh, a, a, a Cornelius is his name. A God, it says in the word, he's a God-fearing man. He has this encounter and he says, go and send for Peter who's staying here and have him come. So this guy comes. He sends a couple servants and a, an armed guard and goes and gets Peter. Peter comes back. And this is where we pick it up. Peter shares the gospel with them. Shares the gospel with them. He tells them who Jesus is, what Jesus did. And this is where we pick it up in verse 44. It says, Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Isn't it interesting that the Jewish believers that were there were amazed that they could speak in tongues? When those that were in the upper room, all 120 of them, were filled with the Spirit and could speak in other tongues? Granted, I would, I, I, I would assume most, if not all, in the upper room were Jewish believers. But still... They had still hadn't gotten past their religiosity that they were, oh, we're better, we're, we're superior, right? But in this example, they had just become believers in Jesus. Peter had just shared the gospel with them. They weren't devout Christians for years and years and years, and all of a sudden, they now got this gift of speaking. No, they heard the gospel. They responded to the gospel. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in other tongues. So for those that would tell you that in order to have the gifts of the Spirit, you need to be holy enough, and you need to be sanctified, you know what? Jesus did all of that for you on the cross. He made you holy and sanctified and perfect an entire wanting because of his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. So you know that when you accept him, when you come to him and you are saved by grace through faith, that you know you don't have to do anything to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. You can have every single gift that is the Holy Spirit because of your faith in Christ. So if anyone ever tells you, 
You're not reading your Bible enough so you can't pray in tongues. You're not going to church enough. You're not doing this enough. Jesus paid it all. You don't have to do that. It's a good thing to do those things. It is a good thing to read and study your word. It is a good thing to go to church. I'm not telling you you shouldn't do that. I would love to, re- I want you to be here. I like seeing you, I like seeing everyone here. But what I'm saying is, is whether you're plugged into a church, we've had seasons in our life where we're like, where is our church home? Does that mean I can't pray in the spirit because I'm not plugged? No, no, because it starts with our personal relationship with Christ. Right? All right. Uh, same, same book of the Bible, Acts. We're going to look to Acts chapter 19 now. Acts chapter 19, we're going to read verses 2 through 7. Acts chapter 19, verses 2 through 7. <clears throat> so again, kind of a little more context here. Paul is in his traveling ministry. He gets to, um, he, he's traveling, he, he con- connects with these believers says there's 12 of them and we'll pick it up in verse 2 it says did you receive the holy spirit when you believed he asked them again i'm assuming they did one of these side head huh he he asked them no they replied we haven't even heard that there is a holy spirit then what baptism did you experience he asked and they replied the baptism of john again john the baptist baptism of water Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized, water baptized, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. Again, believers baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't something that took eons and eons for them to do. They believed, they accepted, and they asked. Now this, this example is really important. Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You don't see that in Acts chapter 10. It just says in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit came on them. So why did Paul need to lay his hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit? Why did, they need, why did he need to do that? Exactly. Exactly, George. Oftentimes we look at, when we, when we lay hands on, on folks, uh, whether that's for healing or for whatever it may be, It's not that I have more power than somebody else or a pastor has more power than somebody else, but it is a point of contact. It is a way for the anointing to flow through and in to that next person. So when we lay hands on somebody, it's not that it's, oh my, that person's so much more holy than me. I need to touch them in order to receive my healing. No, no. But what it does is it allows the Holy Spirit to use us as a vessel to transmit his anointing. Exactly. So it's so important for us to understand that when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when we accept the gift that is the Holy Spirit, and I don't mean when we accept Christ, we, he, we know that he dwells in us. 
But when we make an active choice to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether that's tongues or prophecy or whatever, that we get all of Him. That we are submerged in the Holy Spirit and we come out and we have all that He is. It is a choice. It is a choice. And it's an important choice. And I will say this too. I want to make this very, very, very prevalent. There was a period in, I would say, in my life where I felt like in order to be saved, you had to have the ability to speak in tongues. I had that thought. And I think there, there, that thought is probably still out there in the broader, broader church. That's not the case. You can have salvation, love Jesus, go to heaven, and never speak in tongues. I will say this, though. You are missing out on an incredible, incredible way to communicate with the Father. So if your end game is just salvation, that's fine. But our end game shouldn't just be salvation. Our goal shouldn't be just to get to heaven. That is an incredible outcome. We are all excited to get to heaven. But I am so excited about the impact that the Lord can have through me through my kids, through their kids, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't, if the Lord is giving us a tool to use, why wouldn't we use it? I've used this example before. If you're building a house and you've got a contractor who says, here, use my power nailer. No, that's okay. I'm just going to try and use this physical hammer. You're nuts! Use the power nailer. It'll go so much faster. If the Lord is giving you a tool in your life to use, use it. But in order to use it, you need to accept it. It is an active acceptance of the gifts and the tools that the Lord has given you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close with this. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. He says, <clears throat> many of you probably know this verse. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Again, that doesn't mean that we, we need to be at church to pray in tongues. That doesn't mean we need to be in our prayer closet to pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit at all times and in all situations in all occasions. And I want to end by saying this. If you've never had the opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you've never had the opportunity to ask the Lord to just fill you and baptize you in the Holy Spirit, is a gift. Just like you can be water baptized, it is a gift. It is a choice that you can make. Shree and I would be happy. It's, just, it's a simple prayer, and we would love to activate that in your life. So, Find us today after service. If you've never had the ability to do that, find us. We would love to pray with you for that. It's important. It's important. It's important. It will change your life. It will change your trajectory. It will. It will. And it's not something, exactly, it's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to go, man, if I pray in tongues, my family's going to think I'm weird. I'm sure my family, some people in my family think I'm weird. But you know what? I don't care. 
I don't care. I am weird, right? We're all weird in our own way. But the Holy Spirit isn't weird. He's not weird. And praying in tongues is not weird. And oftentimes in today's society, we call things strange or weird or peculiar because we don't understand them. We don't understand. And I think we as Christians need to understand that we can't intellectualize everything. We can't always try to understand everything. Because there are things in the spiritual realm that we will never understand. We will never understand how the, how the God of the universe created the universe. We can see in His Word what He said, but we don't know the exact... how, it, how We don't know those things. That's why faith is important. Because if you knew everything, why would you need faith? And if you knew everything that you were praying in the Spirit, why would you do it? Why wouldn't you just speak it in a normal language? Right? So it's important for us as believers to be okay not always knowing what we're praying. It's important. It's important. It's important. Amen? All right. Let's, um, we'll close out the service. Again, if you would like to receive it, please come find Sharia. We'll be available. We would love to pray with you. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit, who He is in our life, and how He goes before us and is our helper, our steadfast, our advocate. I thank You, Lord, that we have the ability as believers to have the Holy Spirit be our leading and guiding light, that He leads and guides our paths. Lord, we just praise You and thank You that you have given us this incredible helper, this incredible, incredible resource. Lord, we just ask that you continue to make it crystal clear to us which direction we're supposed to go. You continue to speak to our hearts. You continue to speak to our minds. You continue to speak to our souls, Lord, of all the things that you are asking us to do. Lord, I just pray boldness over this body. Boldness in their jobs, boldness in their families, boldness in their communities, Lord. That the Holy Spirit would give each and every believer boldness to proclaim the good news of the love of Jesus Christ everywhere they go. Father, we are so grateful for this community, for this church. We're grateful for a country that we are able to gather freely, freely, freely and worship you. I ask that you cover everyone's, the rest of everyone's weekend, their work week, whatever it may be. In Jesus' name, amen.